Once upon a time. In a land far away. I'm Katrina. And I'm Jeff. And welcome to the Fairy Tellers Podcast. Myth, legend, folklore, fable. We explore what they say about cultures then and now. Grab a hot cup of cocoa and a comfy seat. While we retell you a thing. Welcome back to the podcast. As always, great to have you here with us. Katrina, great to see you. Yeah, considering uh, it's been a while since we've put out an episode. Yeah, things just keep happening. Yep. Life. Such is life. And your body <laughs> betraying you yet again. <laughs> I don't know if you want to go into there or not, but oh, I mean, you don't yeah. have to make no. any details. It wasn't like, yeah, at least this time the like medical issue wasn't a thing where it was like, oh, you need to go to the ER. You need to do a thing. No, I just had, I whacked myself. No, it was just a regular run of the mill. You have a flu and don't be too far away from a toilet for too long situation. (laughs) Just one of those old fashioned don't be away (laughs) from the toilet (laughs) problems. Yeah. Yeah. But it does make it difficult to record a podcast that we weren't able to get together at some part scheduled times. But we are together today, and that's what matters. And I did get to another reason why we didn't do something was because I did get to go and do something fun. I went to the Nepal Youth Foundation's Founders Day celebration. We've talked about the Nepal Youth Foundation before in episodes past uh, where we've done some episodes Talking about Nepalese, Nepali episodes, <laughs> stories. Um, and those were really fun years ago. Uh, my sister yeah. works for this nonprofit that's based in Nepal. And they were having a fundraiser in, and celebration in San Francisco. And so I got to go out for that. And so I kind of went on a little road trip. If people follow me on Instagram, they got to see the parts of the road trip that were kind of folklore focused where we stayed at some haunted hotels. We went into some cemeteries, heard some good uh, stories that are associated with the cemeteries. Even yeah, multiple haunted hotels, including yes. a haunted clown hotel. Yeah. But what's crazy is that the hotels that were haunted, nothing weird happened. The hotel that we stayed at that wasn't haunted, just in a bad area of town. <laughs> that one, again, it was funny because like as I was going to sleep the night after, there was like a whole ambulance situation with somebody that wasn't us. Just, yeah, a situation that we found ourselves as we were going to bed that night, I was like, yeah, once again, I am more afraid of the living than I am of uh, the already deceased. Absolutely. So, but anyway, so fun folklore trip in the parts that, you know, got to be a little folklore. Yeah. It was funny because even the building where some of my sister's coworkers work They have like a room in this old office building. It's an old infantry hospital. And they were like, oh, yeah, people say that it's like haunted. And I was like, it definitely had that vibe. (laughs) (laughs) Like long, dark, creaky hallways. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can see that. Old infantry hospital for the military. Yeah, okay. Yeah, hospitals, sanatoriums. 
prisons. Yeah. All places that are ripe for a haunting. If the if ghost hunters is to be believed. So today we're gonna be doing a something. I don't even know. Oh yeah, uh, I know. It's it's a surprise to Jeff as well. It's funny because obviously, like in May, we were thinking, oh, we'll do like Mermaid. We're finally gonna do it. And and the <laughs> the weird half Frankenstein episode that we did end up recording, which may or may not come out before this one, we yet to be determined. Because we did record a Frankenstein episode special. It's gonna it's gonna be real special. It's a real special special. Um, and it is a mermaid story. Yeah, and at the beginning of that, the first time we recorded the first half of it, <laughs> I believe possibly we said like, "Oh, we've been meaning to do mermaid, but it just hasn't happened." <laughs> and this year we're excited because like we've got a great lineup for mermaid. Joke <laughs> on us. It wasn't meant to be. The and Curse of Mermaid yeah. continues. The Curse so, of Mermaid. So, here's to 2024. Yep. Mermaid 2024. We'll, we'll start planning. But we'll pre-record We'll record them. the episodes now so that we can yeah. just put them out. That's but, not a bad idea. Yeah, but for real. <laughs> we should. So, we're moving straight into June. But I was feeling a little demoralized uh after may and being stressed from school and finals and work and yeah just everything and so i was like you know what i want this episode to be something fun what can i do that would be something fun and i remembered our winter divination <sighs> that was not a fifth friday fable fest but one where we had done the rolling the dice the what were we calling that? Uh, ATU roulette. Yeah. Where we were like, you know, picking out a story. So one of the ones, I believe it was, we landed on ATU like 623, something like that. But there wasn't anything under that one. And so it was an under over roll of like, should I do the one that's a, a smaller number than 625 or 623 or one higher? And I rolled one higher. ATU 650. So I was like, you know what? It's about time. Let's do an episode. Let's do our winter divinations ATU roulette winner. And that ATU is called Strong John. And so there's ATU 650A, Strong John. And then there's also ATU 650C, Youth Who Bathed in Blood of a Dragon. What? Yeah. So the one that is both of those is the one that I picked. That way I was getting the most uh, (laughs) one. But really quickly, so about this ATU. So so with this ATU Strong John, it's super funny just because we already know from past episodes that we've done that John is the fill-in name for just an everyday and every person character. And so of course the German version of this story is called strong hands, Uh strong Hans, uh, which you can find in the brothers Grimm collection. And there is also in Britain, strong Jack, because Jack, Jack, that's their kind of like every man name. 
And it's funny because there's a Russian version of this, and you would think it'd be called Strong Ivan, but it it's not. Oh man. It's called no- it Nodi, the priest's grandson. Which I'm like, oh, boo. Should be Ivan. Anyway, it's fine. It's fine. So interestingly, the one that I am going to be retelling is one that was collected in West Virginia. <gasps> and almost heaven. Almost heaven. West Virginia. And this story was collected by Ruth Ann Music. Ruth Ann Music was an American writer and folklorist who specialized in West Virginia. And she, as a famous folklorist and as a folklorist who was working at Fairmont State College, now Fairmont State University, when she died, West Virginia Folklife Center at Fairmont State University renamed their university library in her honor. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I uh, have some friends that went to Fairmont State University. I should ask them about the library. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I bet you do. So the book where the story of Hedgie, that is what this story is called, is the story of Hedgie. It is found in Green Hills of Magic, West Virginia folktales from Europe. And we've talked about this in the past that the Appalachian Mountains, that whole region, has a lot of European, especially like Scots Irish heritage and, you know, stories that traveled with them to America. And so a lot of the stories are like have this kind of like European folk tale, fairy tale esque. A feel to them. So this story is a combination of the like the 650s ATU A and C of like Strong John and Youth Who Bathed in Blood of a Dragon. And the thing that I want you to remember as I am retelling this story is that it takes place in the United States. Specifically, it's supposed to take place in West Virginia. I just want you all to to just keep that in your minds as this is happening. (laughs) The fact that you have to preface it that way makes me very excited. Oh my gosh. To Uh, see why. Yeah. Just all throughout, I'm going to keep reminding you, this this is West Virginia. This is happening in West Virginia. This story is taking place in the United States. And it it makes it clear right at the beginning that that's what's happening. But I also uh, want to make it clear to everybody that this story is not representative of American history, even a little bit, even in the slightest. <laughs> but it starts. I'll be the judge of that. But the story starts off like this: during the time when the states were not yet new- united, and people had to get special permission to go from one state to another, there lived two kings. (laughs) King George was the king of Pennsylvania. And King Jimmy, J-I-M-M-Y, Jimmy, not James, no. Jimmy. Jimmy. King Jimmy of West Virginia. (laughs) So at the time... That the story begins. King Jimmy's wife had a three-month-old baby, and she wanted to go and visit her friends in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Again, 
this. <laughs> she wanted to go visit, I guess, uh, King George's kingdom in Pennsylvania. Which is funny because King George was the, that was the name of the king at the time of the colonies. Yeah. Which like is confusing. The, the Revolutionary War. Yeah. But King, yeah. King Jimmy. I don't know who that is. <laughs> but anyway, so King Jimothy, um, his Christian name, that is a lie that's not in here. It says, you know, the queen, she wanted to visit a friend in Pennsylvania. But we, as the listeners to this story, need to remember that people were not allowed to cross the borderlines from one state to another. Because these kings, I guess, just did not get along in these United, not not yet United States of America. So King Jimothy decided, that he, which I am going to keep calling him now because I'm having fun. So he decided that he was, you know, just going to take his family, put them in a horse and buggy cart and cross into Pennsylvania. But there was a guard that would not let them cross the line into Pennsylvania. He was like, absolutely not. Not in these ununited States of America, not in my America. He was like, if you guys try to cross into Pennsylvania, I'm going to kill you. And this guard seized the woman and immediately, you know, told the King, go back home. But King Jiminy, nope, cricket. <laughs> <laughs> But King Jimothy would not agree to this and did not want them threatening his wife. And so he started to fight this guard. And while these two men, the guard and King Jimothy, were fighting, the wife prayed to the Lord that her husband would win. However, says blood was pouring from King Jimothy's head and... Ooh. He died. So the Lord oh, did man. not hear or answer that prayer, unfortunately. So during the fight, I guess as she was praying before or after some way or another, during the fight, the wife had taken her little three-month-old son and hid him underneath the hedges that were nearby because she was afraid that, you know, if this guard was going to like kill her husband, the king, then he might also kill her baby. So she quickly like stashed this baby in the hedges. Uh So after he had killed King Jimothy, the guard told the woman that she either had to marry him or he would put her to death. And she was like, absolutely not. I would rather die than be your wife. And he was like, oh, man, I don't want to kill you, though, because I think you're hot. So he put her in a buggy, probably the same buggy, took her back home and then locked her in the basement. Fun fact, in West Virginia, buggy is what you call a shopping cart as well. So I am picturing (laughs) him putting her in a shopping cart and pushing her all the way home. This story gets better and better. So I was kind of like, I wasn't on the guard's side, but I was like, his actions were justified until he's like threatening to murder her if she won't marry him. Because like King Jimothy Mm -hmm. started fighting him. It's true. Because he so had he said, like, you can't go to Pennsylvania just whenever you want. You're right. Yeah, he was he was enforcing the laws of the land. He was. And and King Jimothy didn't like that. So he started attacking him. So he was like, had to defend himself. Yeah. So it was like, I was like, you know what? Yeah. Like, I, I'm not happy about it, but that's, yeah. that's, that's kind of like, you know, 
in keeping with what is right and just. But then, like, yeah. trying to extort women to marry you by threatening to kill them, like, not cool, man. Yep. That's Kidnapping what... them in a shopping cart and taking them is also not cool. Yep. On our podcast, that's no bueno. So, obviously, when the guard took this woman back to her house and locked her in her basement, the baby was left out, like, under the hedges because she hadn't said anything about him, like, being there because she didn't want him to get killed. So while she was in her own basement, the king, not the king, he, the guard had decided that he was like the new king, but it gets confusing this story because they keep referring to him as the guard or king with a lowercase mm. k because he's not the rightful king. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no Magna Carta this is, here, yeah, my this, friend. Oh, this is not the Santa Claus rules where, like, if you kill the Santa Claus, you become the new Santa Claus. <laughs> like, that's not how uh, it worked. Not yeah. in the ununited uh, kingdoms of West Virginia and the Pennsylvania. ununited kingdoms. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so he kept asking this woman, hey, will you marry me? And she was like, no, I hate you. And he was like, fine. Well, every day that you don't marry me, you have to have a slice of bread and a glass of water. And she was like, okay. <laughs> the prison diet. Is yeah. that all? Like, like that's that. all she can have? Or it's just like, you can have all the, your regular meals, but you also have to eat <laughs> a slice of bread and drink a glass of water. So there. And I'm going to watch you because that's my kink. Um, yeah, no, it sounds like all she would get was just like bread and water every day. So while she was locked in this basement, she was praying that her baby would be looked after. And this prayer was mm, answered. That's good. Yeah. So a mother deer hearing the baby crying went over to see what was going on and not knowing what else to do for this poor little baby, this mother deer started to nurse the baby. It was a doe, a deer. It was a female deer. <laughs> I, I, it took everything in me not to start singing the rest of that song, but only because I knew you wanted me to. Yeah. And I just felt like being obstinate, I guess. I don't yeah, know. Normally I just go cock go blocker, I guess. I don't know. But not today. You're a song blocker. I almost did uh, a, a reference to that song earlier when we were talking about sewing something. But did they actually say so? Did they just say fa, a note to follow so? No, wait. Don't. So with yeah, the pulling thread. Which is yeah. what, yeah, the definition of to sew. If you look it up in the dictionary, fun fact. This is a linguistics podcast. So it was a fear. A Ray, a drop of gold. <laughs> Me. A name. <laughs> Why wouldn't you sing it? You're a bad person. Yes. So this mother deer heard uh, this child crying, whatever. And yeah. So when the baby got enough milk, it would stop crying. And then the doe, the female deer, went away and... Then before dark, she would come back again to feed the baby. So after each feeding, it said she would go back to her regular sleeping place in the woods. So she wasn't like sleeping like with the baby. It was just every time the baby would start crying, she would just go over and like hmm. nurse the baby. Which solid strategy. Good. But apparently, yeah. Apparently there was a missionary in the woods, but he was like a solitary 
uh, religious practitioner, <laughs> dare I say, a holy hermit. Because you know what's really effective missionary work? Living alone in the woods where you can't share your message with anybody. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, he was, like, the way that they describe him, he was much more of one of those people that is like, oh, I believe in, like, living a very, like, solitary, basic yeah. life devoted to God. And, like, my suffering is holy my solitude is like holy like what i'm doing is um you know what i'm giving up for god like my life is like in any type of comfort yeah. or ease is what i'm giving up like to be closer to god so he's much more of a like a holy hermit situation than anything else but this is a missionary mm. but in my mind we're back to the holy hermits <laughs> holy hermits and hags and crags. Those are the two genders. <laughs> <laughs> in this, the month of pride. Oh, speaking of pride. Oh, we're not there yet in this story. But this is a good, this is a good pride. I feel like this is a good pride month story. For me. I said it. So anyway, back to this missionary style. <laughs> he. <laughs> this is, this is helping my mental health. Thank you, Jeff, for being here. You're welcome. Having fun with this story with me. So this holy hermit, apparently what he depended on for his sustenance was his milk supply from this deer. I don't know what's going on in these West Virginian woods, but apparently you got missionaries out here that are milking deer. I don't know. I don't know what the situation. So he was waiting for her because I guess this deer would just show up and let him milk it every day. I don't understand, but it's fine. It's a story. So when she was returning to him, she had no milk. And he was like, oh, no, what's going on with this deer that doesn't like have milk anymore? And so he was like, oh, what should I do about this? So he started praying about it all night long. So he prayed about it. Because besides eating like green things that he picked in the woods, the milk was like the only other thing that like he had. And so he was like, I really can't give up this milk. Please, Lord, help this deer give me milk. I don't know how that prayer went. That was my approximation. Yeah. And in Utah, it's they pray for moisture. So I'm sure he was (laughs) gross. So anyway. So after this had gone on for several days without the missionary, like getting any milk from this deer, he decided that he was going to follow the deer and find out what was going on. Like who, who else could be getting this good, good deer milk? Yeah. Is there another missionary out here that's get stealing, stealing his deer milk? So anyway, she sensing him following behind her started to like run really fast. So she'd like run and then pause and wait for him to like catch up with her. And then she'd run a little farther, wait for him to catch up. Then she'd run a little farther. And he was about to give up when suddenly he heard the cries of a baby human being. And so he ran over and he saw that this deer had run over to this hedge and she was standing next to this baby. So the missionary went over to this baby and scooped it out of the hedge and noticed that it had this like medallion hanging around its neck with the initials GM on it. 
And it's super funny because it said he found he found a medal on the child with the initials of GM, but he decided to call the baby Hedgy since he had found him beneath the hedges. And so at no time do you do we ever find out what GM stood for? Yeah. Because like the dad's name was Jimmy or Jimothy, but that starts with a J and not a G. So we never find out what like this what GM stands yeah, for. Yeah, it does like, seem strange because it's like for. the other king is named George, which does start with a G. So it's like, and also GM is like a car company. Yeah. It's making me think like, did someone just like rip off like a, you know, the, the yeah, general the, motors. The of a general motors car and just like use it as a necklace for the kid. <laughs> so many questions. So few answers. Yeah. So many. Yeah. So many questions. But anyway, so, the missionary decided to name this kid Hedgy, which I don't know how secluded this missionary is living, but he should know that Hedgy is not a good name. Um, but he did not. So meanwhile, Hedgy's mother was still a prisoner in the basement, and she felt sure that, you know, with all the days that she'd been gone and, like, where she had left her little three-month-old baby, that there was, like, no possible way that that baby, you know, could still be alive. And she was terrified that wild animals probably, you know, had already eaten him or gotten to him. Little did he know that wild animals had gotten to that baby, uh, but they were feeding him and taking care of him, which, if anybody knows, you know, some, like, story tropes and stuff like that, that idea of, like, wild animals feeding babies that have this kind of divine destiny it's a thing it's a whole thing so it's like oh yeah it's right on par for mythology that then slowly turns into like folk tales and fairy tales anyway so the missionary was actually super excited to have a companion out in the woods even though let me tell you um raising he got this baby at three months old kids are not that much of a companionship for like a really long time so like when it's like oh he loved the companionship i'm like of a three-month-old no he did you're definitely very aware that you're not alone i'll tell you that much (laughs) but not in a good way you sometimes are like man i wish i were alone although i will say three months feel like at least my my babies were pretty snuggly little guys at three months old. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like smiling already, snuggly, starting to get a little, some purposeful body movements like going on. So, you know, it warmed his heart. Maybe it gave him kind of like a purpose and, you know, more structure to his day that he maybe didn't have before when he was living in the woods. But he kept hedgy. For a companion, and since he was living this life of of giving up everything, of, hermitude. <laughs> I want my brain is saying her- hermitude. Since the missionary was living out in the woods, a very survivalist type of a situation, you know, he wasn't buying shoes or clothes for the baby. All the clothes that he, as a hermit, was wearing were made out of animal skins, and so he made Hedgy some clothes made out of animal skins. 
which again, I don't know if anybody's got kids out there, but but he was having to yeah. make a lot of you every know, few months new clothes probably for this baby. I really hope it wasn't deer skin because that would be a little messed up. Yeah, considering that his was foster who mom fed was him and cared for him. His his foster mom was a deer. Yeah. So anyway, the days went by, and Hedgie and the missionary were happy together and growing and. They're out in the woods. They were the only two people that were out in these woods, and that is very important for later in the story. They just had each other. But when Hedgie was 10 years old, he already could read and write because the missionary had different books, not a whole lot of books, probably like Bible and stuff, um, but had taught Hedgie how to read and how to write. And even though there isn't like paper and pencil to write with, they were using the burnt end of like sticks on like flat rocks to practice writing. So Hedgie was getting an education, but kind of very, a very weird education, um, <laughs> considering he didn't ever see any other human beings. Right. Except for like the one missionary dude. <laughs> Who also didn't see any other human beings, so he was probably not at his best socially. Yeah. Um, they were wearing animal skin clothes, like they didn't have shoes or like anything. Insert a rude Appalachian joke here. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I love that you're like, slander West Virginia? Never. Never would I ever. Never. Um, when... Hedgie was almost 15 years old. The missionary decided to tell Hedgie everything that he knew about him, which wasn't a ton. (laughs) He was basically like he told him how he had found him, like chasing the deer, showed him the spot where he had found him, like under like the hedge. And he explained to Hedgie that like he was not his father. And even though he loved him as much as a son, he wasn't his like true father, which in these strong Jack stories is actually like it's a thing. Oh, interesting. That's like a main part of the like story of like him like being like, Mom, who's my dad? And the mom being like, I don't want to tell you. It's not that she doesn't know. It's like she's like, oh, I don't mm-hmm. want to tell you. Or like there's always a situation where it's like he's trying to figure out like who his dad is, who he is, who he's like destined to like be. But anyway. Back to the story. And then he gave Hedgie the medal, the General Motors uh, pendant that had been around (laughs) his neck when he found him. (laughs) Then he told Hedgie, I'm really old. I'm not going to live much longer. And soon I will be dead. And it said that Hedgie had not seen or even heard of death. And so he didn't really fully comprehend the missionary saying that to him, which I'm like, that doesn't make sense because of course he would have seen dead things. He was living in like the woods. It sounds like they were vegetarians. Uh Like they weren't killing anything. They were eating greens and drinking like cow milk or, but they were using skins, not cow milk, deer milk. They were using skins of animals right. to clothe themselves. So obviously he knew that things could die. Also, if he was reading the Bible. There's a lot of death in that book. There's a lot of death in the Bible. So anyway, I don't know. According to the story, he was like, like, oh, I don't know what any of that means. I have no way of conceptualizing that. So I'm just going to ignore this missionary telling me that. But one morning, the missionary did not wake up. <gasps> oh, no. 
And Hedgie just thought he was, like, sleeping really, really hard. So luckily there's no, like, weekend at Bernie's, like, type <laughs> shenanigans. It's, like, basically he's just, like, made breakfast and was trying to, like, be, like, wake up and eat some breakfast. And he, like, wouldn't get up and he shook him. And it was, like, a couple days passed where the missionary wasn't getting up or, like, moving and eventually got really stiff and cold. And that's when Hedgie kind of remembered, oh, yeah, he had said something about dying. I wonder if this is like what dying is. And so he had a good cry and he went out and dug a hole so that he could bury the missionary. And this is when it said since the deer who had been his like foster mom had died sometime before that, Hedgie was truly left all alone. Which, again, I was like, don't tell me he has no conception. No conception. He has no concept in his mind of, like, what death is. When his foster mom yeah, died. But I'm thinking maybe, like, he didn't know that. I'm thinking. Oh, yeah, he might not have seen it. It could have been, like, she just stopped showing up to give them the right. milk. And they just were kind of like, oh, maybe she's yeah, dead. That's just, like, the narrator telling us, like, hey, he's got nobody. Don't, don't expect the dear mom to come back and take care of him now because she is dead. As yeah. Well. Plus, I mean, he should be weaned by now from your dear mom. Just kidding. The missionary was getting deer milk. So I can't imagine nursing a 15 year old. I'll tell you what. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Good. I hope that was disturbing to you. So he cried all day and night, you know, in grief for the man who raised him. Yeah. And early. The only human he had ever known yeah. since three months. So the next morning, I think narratively speaking, this it would be better if it was like after. Oh, I guess it technically was after three days because it was like he tried to like feed yeah. him like breakfast all that one day. And then the next day buried him. And then this is like the morning of like the third day that he's dead. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Anyway, so the next morning, he heard a voice saying, Hedgy, Hedgy, Hedgy. And he looked around so he could see like where the voice was coming from. And he saw a little bird that was like sitting in a tree and it was singing, Hedgy, Hedgy, Hedgy. And so he started to follow the bird and it said he came to a road he had never seen before, about 500 yards from where he lived. So I'm like, he'd never gone walking. Oh, my goodness. Didn't get out much. I guess so. Anyway, so when he got to the road, the bird just was kind of like going up the road, and he was just following this little bird that was just saying, hedgy, 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 over and over again. And so he kept walking until he heard, it said, a continual noise. And he had stumbled upon, like, a city, and the which was making like a continual noise, which if anybody's ever been into yeah. any town, yeah. But yeah, it basically the was tracks. saying like, oh, he saw horses and he didn't understand what they were. He'd never seen a horse in his life before. And I'm like, 500 yards away from your house was the road and you'd never like heard a horse or, yeah, anyway, it's fine. I mean, 500 yards is not far, but it's also not like close. Yeah. Like, it's not far to have, like, never traveled in your life. Like, you should have gone 500 yards farther from your house. But also, like, it's also far enough away that if, like... Yeah, if people are walking by, like, staying on the road, you probably wouldn't hear every person that went by. Yeah. Yeah. 
Anyway, so he, again, he's not wearing shoes. He's wearing clothes that were like sewed together by him and a hermit in a a hut. Mm -hmm. And so he's like going up to like people's windows, looking in at them. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Anyway, so he was like, you know, trying to figure out like, oh, what are those things on their feet? Why is like the cloth on their bodies like so fine, like so like thin? Like, what is this? So he was just like kind of in wonder of it all. And the men who were like inside of this building, like working, they stopped and they looked up and they saw Hedgy. So they were in like kind of like a factory, like a warehouse, like a blacksmith shop. Uh-huh. And they look out and they see Hedgy and he has bare feet, long hair, and queer clothing made from animal skins. Happy Pride Month. No, just <laughs> um, so they noticed, you know, his bare feet, long hair, strange clothes that was made out of like animal skins. So I mean, he looked like you know he'd come out of the woods, which is what he had done. <laughs> and so they started like asking him questions, you know, trying to figure out what was going on. But he was answering them like very eloquently. Again, he could read and write like he had grown up book learning. Yeah, he had book learning. Um, And so, you know, they brought him inside and they started talking to him a little more and realized, oh, you know, he he's he's hungry. Let's give him a sandwich. He'd never eaten a sandwich before in his life because he'd never had like bread or meat and he was like this is amazing i normally just drink deer milk and greens and they're like what in the world so they were just like feeding him like more and more sandwiches and he was just like yes this is like amazing so they invited him to stay with them in like their warehouse like factory or whatever for dinner asked him if he wanted a haircut and he was like oh yeah i don't know what a haircut is but like go ahead so you know they gave him like a just imagine like a, a full glamour montage, you know, they're yeah, like, the yeah, they're like dunking him in water and scrubbing him and like cutting his hair, like shaving his face, like, you know, make him yeah. real good looking. So. <laughs> and he's like, you know, after he like comes out of the bathroom and he's got like 27, like little torn up pieces of toilet paper on all the little <laughs> spots all over his face. And he like smiles. And then he puts on aftershave and then he screams like Home Alone style. (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly what happened. So anyway, the guys that he was working with uh, or the guys who were giving him a makeover were asking him, um, you know, like, who are your mother and father? Where do you come from? And he was like, oh, I don't have a mother and I've never seen my father. And they were like, well, this is kind of the saddest story we've ever heard. And so they offered him a job and he like accepted it because he was a hard worker. But there was also a boy in the factory by the name of Tom. And just by the way, Hedgie and Tom, I stand them. I want them to end up together. They're the true <laughs> love story inside of this tale. And I want us all to remember that. Um, happy Pride. I very much am like, that's the way I want this story to go. Just putting that out there. So Tom was always, he was like the youngest person who was working in this factory. And he was kind of always the, like the butt of every joke. And everyone was always making fun of him and making him cry all the time. 
And Hedgie did not like this and did not think that it was cool or okay to treat anybody that way. And so the people at the factory started making fun of Hedgie too, because he was like always coming to the defense of Tom and saying like, you guys shouldn't be saying stuff like that. So one day Hedgie was like, no, you are not going to be making fun of Tom. Like this has got to stop. Like, I don't like this. And they were like, oh, if you're so blah, 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 you know, they were being jerks like about it. So Hedgie decided that he was just going to deck the guy that was making fun of him. So he just like full punches this man. And it says after a few blows, he was knocked down. So then a second guy was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Like you can't be treating my friend like that. Like if come on, let's do this. So Hedgie was like, yeah, no problem. I'll punch you in the face too. So Hedgie punches the next guy in the face. So the rest of the people were like, okay, you know what? Maybe we could all just stop making fun of Tom. And then we don't have to get punched in the face by Hedgie. So Tom and Hedgie became the best of friends. So in this story, it says that they were making spears. It sounds to me like they were more axes than they were spears. But I'm going to tell the story like it's told, except when I was saying Jimothy earlier. Listen, sometimes I'm not an impartial storyteller. (laughs) So anyway, they were in this like spear making factory which again sounds kind of more like axes to me when they're making them but it's fine so after a few months of working there hedgie asked the manager if he could be taught how to make a spear and the head manager was like um you haven't done like hardly enough like training or work or whatever to be like a master blacksmith so i don't know if you'll be able to do this i don't know if you're strong enough to do this but hedgie was like no, come on, like, give me some instructions. So they gave him a hammer so that he could, you know, do some of, like, the work. And the very first time that, like, Hedgie, like, hit with this hammer, the hammer just, like, broke in two. And so this happened, like, a few times, and they were like, okay, buddy, can you hit things softer with that hammer, please? So it didn't take too long before Hedgie had been able to, like, make a spear and become this, like, master blacksmith because he definitely had the muscles required for like shaping, bending, beating metal and people. Right. It's, e- it's easier to like pull back than it is to like go to, to go further. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you're too, too strong and too powerful, it, you're able to like rein it in better than like training up the strength to that point. Yeah. He, he was just incredible skill level strength. And his friend Tom, not at that level, but so excited for Hedgie and constantly cheering Hedgie on, always in Hedgie's corner. So with, and this is where I think it sounds like it's an axe, because it says with the spear, Hedgie, the the first one that uh, Hedgie had made, he went out and he cut down a tree that no one else could cut. And he went back to the factory Showing everybody, you know, like, ah, look at this massive tree I just cut down with like my like blade and look, it's still sharp. And so it said even the manager was afraid of this strong man and nobody dared to go against him in anything, (laughs) which was like, yeah, as you should, except that Hedgie is just like a really sweetheart, nice guy. So but but not afraid to resort to violence if you're making fun of people that don't deserve to be made fun yeah. of. Yeah, he's like, hey, if we, if you want to go, let's go. So 
since some of the people were getting a little f- afraid of Hedgie and like how strong he was, they were like, okay, we need to like maybe plan a task for him to do that he will not be able to do that will possibly kill him. That way we can, you know, get rid of him. So it says back in those days, people did not use coal. They used charcoal instead. And the place where they gathered this charcoal was up on this really high hill that stood really close to the factory. But anybody who went to the top of the hill never came back down. And nobody knew why, because again, if you went to the top of the hill and you found out why, you didn't come back down. So they were like, oh, do you know what we should do? We should send Hedgie up there to go get some of the charcoal. The best charcoal is like up there on the top, but we can't get to it anymore for whatever reason. So they asked him to go up and he agreed. And Tom, knowing that this is like what their plan was, was like begging Hedgie, like, please, please, please don't go, don't go, don't go. And Hedgie was like, no, don't worry. I'm going to go up and I'm going to take the spear that I have made and I'm going to kill anything that comes after me. And Tom was like beside himself because he was so worried about Hedgie didn't want his best friend in the entire world to die. So Hedgie goes up to the top of the hill and he starts hearing this strange noise at first that he thought was just the wind, but then something like jumped out at him and it said its head was as big as a bull and he hit it with the spear, but at first he couldn't kill it. It like was jumping away, coming back. They were fighting, like coming to blows. And it's funny because um, it never says that this is a dragon in the story, but you will remember that this is Strong John, youth who bathed in the blood of a dragon. Spoilers. So uh, they never say that, you know, it's a dragon, but that's kind of what is inferred. So he keeps, you know, trying to like hit this uh, creature, but like every place that he's stabbing it, like doesn't seem to be like working. It's not like falling over, it's not dying, even though he's got this super sharp spear and he's really strong. So all of a sudden he hears, hedgy, hedgy, hedgy. And he looked around and there was that bird that had like led him, you know, out of the woods and to like the civilization. And the bird told him to hit the beast in the throat, that that was like the only place to kill it. So the next time that the creature started like coming at him, Hedgie just went and struck it straight into the throat and killed it. And then Hedgie heard the bird say, wash yourself with the blood (laughs) (laughs) and nothing will ever hurt you. So obviously trusting in a bird always, uh, he starts rubbing the blood of this slain beast like all over himself. And as he's like, you know, kind of like rubbing like the blood all over himself, he was like, is like, will this, is it really nothing will ever hurt me? So he takes his spear and he tries to like cut himself with it. And his skin like could not be cut even with his like sharp spear. Wow. And then he notices that there's a place on him where a blackberry leaf had stuck to him. And when he pulled it off, he saw that his skin in that spot was like white. I guess whiter than the rest of him. But yeah, it's just like one white spot in the shape of this like blackberry leaf. And 
he thought that he had washed like his entire body with the blood, but because of that leaf, he'd missed that little section. And so he pinched himself there on that like white spot and he noticed that it like really hurt him. And so he looked around for some more blood to rub on himself, but he couldn't find any more. So again, mythologically speaking, this is kind of a, an important like trope and like plot point of like, mm-hmm. like, oh, you're supposed to be completely impenetrable completely like covered and safe but there's this like one spot of weakness so the people at the bottom of the hill were all wondering you know what had happened uh because hedgy was up there for a long time and you know tom was already beside himself kind of crying because like his best friend's probably up on the hill dead but then they saw smoke coming from the hill and they knew that he had to be alive so it doesn't say that he like cooked the dragon or whatever, but I'm assuming if he like lit a fire, maybe he was burning the body of, I don't know. I don't know. But when Hedgy came down from the hill, he brought the animal's head with him and he like threw it on the floor of the factory and <laughs> thanked the manager for sending him like up on the hill. And the manager was like, like, why are you thanking me for sending you, like, up there? And Hedgy told them that he had washed himself in the beast's blood, and now nobody could hurt him. And, of course, like, Tom, when he heard this, he was, like, so happy because he knew that, like, his best friend was going to be safe, like, forever. Which, again, uh, Tom and Hedgy's love is beautiful. So, Meanwhile, the story wants you to know that Hedgie's mother is still in this basement. It's been like 15, almost 16 years. Um, She's still in the basement. And so that guard turned fake king who had imprisoned her, he had kept asking her, oh, will you marry me? Are you ready to marry me? Are you ready to marry me? And she was like, no, 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 I hate you. So she also kept like asking the guard, like, I'm not going to marry you, but please kill me. I don't have a reason to live because you've already killed my husband and my baby is or she'd never mentioned the baby, but she was thinking about the baby, too. The like, oh, he's probably dead, too. I have no reason to live. But she like refused. But what he decided to do is he did want to get married. And so if she didn't want to marry him, he was going to marry somebody else. So he found somebody else and married and started a family. Oh, <laughs> And how did his new wife feel about him keeping a woman in his basement? <laughs> I'm assuming she didn't know. Like like most people who end up marrying like serial killers and creeps, they're like, oh, yeah, there's like a room in the house that I'm never supposed to go into. <laughs> That's totally normal and not sus at all. It's mm-hmm. very sus. It is very sus. Unless somebody is planning a surprise party for you in that room, there is no reason why somebody should be like, um, no, you can't go in there. Like, you know, if yeah. you're married oh, to yeah. somebody like, yeah, there better be a surprise party being planned in that room for me. If there's not a room that I'm allowed to go in, I'll tell you what, there better be a basket full of puppies in that room. <laughs> um, anyway, so he had left orders, the, the guard turned king or whatever. He left orders that as long as that prisoner was alive, all she would have to eat was like bread and water every day. So, boo. So, by the time that this is going on, this like it's been 16 years and Hedgy killed a dragon and is covered in its blood and impenetrable or whatever. Mm-hmm. He had gotten married and had children already. So, 
And he was still acting and pretending to be king in place of King Jimothy and pretending like his family were all royal blood. And he also let all of the prisoners that King Jimothy had had for were supposed to believe like good reason. Like these prisoners were people who were like, you know, violent criminals. Right. He had let them out of the jail and into the city to help him guard the palace and protect him. And since he had been the one that had let them out of jail, they were very loyal to him, but also like, mm, I don't know how I feel about that anyway, but they liked him better than King Jimothy because he had set them free. So, as a result, the guard turned king had been ha- living very happily for quite a while, pretending to be king. So one day, this is going back to Tom and Hedgie. Tom invited Hedgie to come and meet his family, his parents and his sister and his brother, which that's a big step in any couple's relationship is getting to like go and meet the family. So it's like really exciting. So. When Hedgie was introduced to Tom's family, he was like looking at them really strangely because up until that point, he had never seen a girl or a woman in his life because he had been living with the missionary in the woods. Mm -hmm. And then he had just immediately run into that factory that was just a bunch of blacksmiths. Right. And just been like living in that factory. And not ever leaving and no... Women ever came into the factory at all? Like none of the... I guess so. Sisters or relatives of these Yeah, nobody ever brought them like lunch in a basket or anything. And like no customers? Interesting. Yeah. Well, they're making spears. Why would a woman need a spear? You ridiculous man. (laughs) So yeah, up until that point, apparently he had never seen a girl or a woman. And so he was kind of giving Tom's like mom and sister this like like weird, puzzled, like bewildered, scared, like look. Uh. And so Tom was like, Hedgie, are you okay? And he was like, I don't know. It literally said, he only said he didn't know. (laughs) Like Tom, Hedgie, are you okay? I don't know. So uh, it said Tom's home was not in good condition. Like they, these were not wealthy people. They were not rich. So the furniture was like worn out, out of date. But Hedgie didn't care because like to him, he was like, this is luxury. Because oh, yeah. he lived in like a like hut slash cave, like in the woods with like this missionary. And then he lived in this like factory, this blacksmith factory. So yeah, to him, he was like, furniture? What's that? I've never seen furniture before in my life. So Hedgie thought, women, creepy. Furniture, beautiful. So he thought that their home was just like, just so beautiful and wonderful. And he loved everything about it. It said the bed was the best he'd ever slept in. And Tom and Hedgie slept together. And I was like, oh, I love that it says that. Uh, because I want them to be lovers. Uh, no, like you said, you stand. Yeah, this is the true love story. Um, But Hedgie was having problems like falling asleep, even though this was like the most beautiful like bed that he'd ever been in, the most comfortable that he'd ever been in his life. He couldn't fall asleep. And so Tom, you know, they're just like up whispering to each other like in bed. It's like Tom's like, Hedgie, are you asleep? And Hedgie's like, no. (laughs) He's like, um, can't fall asleep. Me either. What do you want to do? No. Um, So (laughs) uh, Hedgie was like, yeah, I can't fall asleep. Um, But I'm kind of like embarrassed to tell you why. 
But if you really want to know, I'll tell you. This is like literally the dialogue. Um, I'm just like <laughs> waiting for Hedgie to just be like, I'm in love with you, Tom. And Tom to be like, oh my gosh, I'm in love with you. And then for them to like make out. But that's not what happened. And it's fine. Because it's what happens in my mind. My mind is a beautiful place. Anyway, so what did happen was Hedgie was like, I'm kind of like embarrassed to tell you. And Tom was like, oh, no, you can tell me anything. Like, I won't judge. I love you. Um, so <laughs> Hedgie asked Tom, like, why do your mother and your sister dress so differently from like you and your dad and your brother? And Tom is like, what, what do you mean? And Hedgie was like, you're, you and like your brother and your father and like me, we wear pants, but like your sister and your mom, they do not wear pants. And Tom was like, yeah, they're women. They have to, like, they wear skirts, like, women wear skirts. And, like, you and me, my brother, my father, like, we're men. So, like, we wear pants, which I'm like, this is such an interesting conversation just because it is this thing of, like, but why? My daughter today, this very day, because it's hot. It's hot where we live. And there was a guy that was, like, walking down the street and he didn't have a shirt on. And my daughter was like, oh, my gosh, mom, that man doesn't have a shirt on and I was like yeah it's fine it's like he's probably feeling hot outside and she was like but people have to wear clothes outside and I was like well yeah here's the thing though is that like men don't have to wear um tops like in public and she was like whoa why and I was like well because they don't have I said yabos because that's our new favorite word for boobies um I was like well because like men don't have yabos and for whatever reason, like if you have yabos, you can't show your nipples. But if you or if you have yabos, you can't show your nipples. But if you don't have yabos, your nipples are fine to be shown publicly. And she was like, oh, OK, so I can wear a shirt outside. Or she was like, so I can go topless outside. And I was like, no. And she was like, I don't have yabos. I'm eight. And I was like, yes, I understand perfectly what you're saying and what you're saying does make sense but you have future yabos and so our culture is like freaked out by that so like you have to wear like a top because you will have yabos she's like that doesn't make any sense and i was like you're right and it is like in some cultures uh like some european cultures it is very much like at no point do women like like there are places where women can be topless in public um, uh-huh. or it's not considered like rude. The beach, for instance. But also like mm-hmm. when I was living in Thailand, a lot of like European vacationers, when they would come to the beach, their daughters usually weren't wearing like the kids, kids, male or female would be straight up naked mm-hmm. on the beach, fully nude. Until they were like four or five. And then they would just be wearing pants. And then the girls wouldn't be wearing like tops until they were probably like eight or nine. And then they would start wearing like Mm -hmm. tops. Um, Right. And so it is very much just like a, a, a cultural rule that like when you try to explain like the logic behind it is very like. Like, yeah, because, yeah, of me being like, oh, 
Yeah, well, like women, if you have boobs, you can't be showing your nipples. It's not the boobs, it's the nipples. You can't show your nipples if you have boobs. Uh-huh. And then she's like, but I don't have boobs. I'm like, correct, but you might someday. So your nipples currently are inappropriate because someday in the future, you will have boobs. So anyway, yeah, Tom was like, well, they're women and we're men. And Hedgy didn't ask. It says Hedgy didn't ask any more questions. He just thought and thought. Because, yeah, what do you do with that? Like, it, It's like, mm, okay. This mm. person as a character is so interesting to me, like as a folklorist, like in this story, or like even like as an anthropologist, like looking at it that way, because he very much is like, in this story functioning as this like outsider who's like looking at the world and s- asking like, why are we doing why things? Why are things the way they are? Because yeah, this doesn't make sense. Usually it's really hard when you're inside of a culture to look and at, at the way that you have always done things and go, wow, if I was an alien, you know, coming from yeah. outer space and looking at this, would I find this weird? Would I be able to explain this to myself? Which is why it's interesting, like with kids, when they are asking, uh, like, you know, what the rules are of the culture and they're asking why. And you have to like think about like things where you're like, I don't I don't know. I've never had to think about that. Like I've, I've no. this is not a question I've ever asked. But kids are people who are coming from outside of like any culture and just asking, why do we do this? This seems weird. And sometimes it is like, this is weird. Thank you for asking. You know, even stuff where it's like at birthdays, like why do we put candles like on a, on a cake and like light it on fire? It's like, yeah, why do we do that? But that's neither here nor there for the episode. So um, I'm going to write that down. Why do we have candles? Why candles on cake? Cause that was a question I just came up with off the top of my head. Cause I, yeah. Anyway. I also would like to know the Yeah. So the next morning, they ate breakfast. And it says this was the best that Hedgie had ever eaten. Because, yeah, home cooking. Instead of, like, the sandwiches at the factory. Which, again, he was pretty <laughs> excited about them. Oh, yeah. Having never had a sandwich in your life, I would I would love to have the experience of, like, eating a sandwich for the first time. Yeah. Like a yeah, good sandwich. Yeah, a really good sandwich. Know? Anyway, so Hedgie had a really good breakfast, best he ever had. Um, and, you know, they went back to working at the factory. And so Hedgie started thinking to himself, you know, that he must he must have a mother and father somewhere. He and Tom were around the same age. Tom, Tom's parents were alive. He was like, maybe my parents are alive somewhere. Like, this is crazy. I wonder, like, who my parents are. And so he was thinking about this for, like, days and days until he heard the little bird again. And the little bird was singing and told Hedgie that he had to go and find his relatives. And Hedgie was like, but, like, where will I go? I don't know, like, where that is. And the bird said, follow me and I'll take you. So Hedgie told his boss that he'd be quitting his job and that, he was meeting a bird the next day, which I'm sure his manager was like slightly concerned about. But again, you know, they were all kind of afraid of Hedgie because of how strong he was, like how physically imposing he was. Yeah. And so. And they didn't even know that he killed the dragon and bathed in its blood. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise they'd be real yeah, scared real. of him. I mean, he had said that to them, but I don't know if they thought he was an insane person or not. Because he had, like, brought the head of that thing right. down and was like. That's true. Yeah. I forgot about that. I also forgot for a second that this all took place in the 
kingdom, ununited kingdom of, of West, West Virginia. Virginia. This is all in West Virginia. So anyway, Hedgie told his boss that he was like leaving, that he'd be quitting his job, and his boss was kind of like, okay, good, because yeah. But Tom, when he heard this, he was like, I don't want to be left alone. Like, I don't want Hedgie to leave me behind. And I don't want to be like left here with all these people who treat me really crappy. And once Hedgie's gone, they're probably going to go right back to treating me this way. I'm quitting my job, too. So he told the boss, I'm leaving, too. And the boss was like, yeah, fine, whatever. It's totally fine. So Hedgie took his spear that was super, super sharp. And Tom had a butcher knife. And they started following this bird on this quest. Oh, and the boss had also gifted them two horses. So spear in hand, butcher knife on two horses, following after this little tweeting bird. It was a regular day in West Virginia. So <laughs> um, they started off. Meanwhile, Hedgie's mother was still in the basement of her own home, becoming weaker and weaker and weaker. And the king, the guard king dude, and his family, they're all seated at the table having dinner one day when Hamlet's father's ghost appears. No. <laughs> when a corner of the wall opened and in walked a skeleton. <laughs> And the skeleton grabbed the guard turned king by the hand and led him down into the basement. And the skeleton took this guy into the like room that was right next to Hedgie's mother. And the skeleton had told him that because he was such a mean and terrible person all of his life, there was somebody who was coming to kill him. Which, that's a pretty terrifying thing for a skeleton to tell me in a basement. <laughs> don't You're not don't wrong. like that. And the skeleton said, the person who's coming to kill you is the son of the lady in the next room. And then after he said those words, the skeleton disappeared. I love that it wasn't a ghost. <laughs> it was a skeleton. Right, a skeleton. But it disappeared nonetheless. Yeah. So anyway, the guard returned to the dining room with his face a little whiter. And the family, they were like, oh, what happened? Why are you looking so like upset? But he was like so upset. He like couldn't tell them like, you know, what had just happened to him. But he knew in his heart that the skeleton was the spirit of his father. Not. <laughs> not like Jimothy. Not, not King Jimothy. murdered. His, the king, the guard slash king guy, his father. Can you imagine your dad coming to you in the form of a full up skeleton and being like, oh, you're a terrible person. You're so awful. Someone's going to kill you. Bye. And then disappearing. Oh, I wouldn't even recognize him. <laughs> you're like, I don't know this guy. Every time I saw him, he had skin on. Same. My dad's always had skin on him. So. The guard slash king told his own guards to go and get the lady from the basement and bring her upstairs so that she can have dinner with them, which that's how that's not going to make up for the fact you've had this woman in a basement for like 16 years. You can't be like, hey, yeah. sorry about that. That was my bad. So anyway, she 
he asked her if uh, if she, you know, knew about any kids that she might have that would, you know, <laughs> might be kicking around. And she started crying and, you know, said like, oh, I had a baby years and years ago, but he was only three months old when I left him. There's he's there's no possible way that he's still alive. Wild animals had probably eaten the little boy a long time ago. And then this guard slash king was like, no, just so you know, I think that your son is on his way here right now to come and like look for you. And I was just wondering if maybe you would forgive me for the way that I've treated you. (laughs) And annoyingly to me, it annoys me. She was like, I do forgive you. I'm Mm. like, ew, boo, gross. And she asked like, well, how do you know that like her son is still alive and that he's coming (laughs) to see her? And he was like, oh, I um, had a dream about it. (laughs) A dream? You had a dream about it? Uh, I'm pretty sure your dad in the form of a skeleton came through the walls, which is a little more terrifying than just like a dream. Anyway, so he told everybody to uh, dress this woman up like a queen and put her in, you know, like situate her as if she's always been like the queen and that none of this had ever happened. (laughs) Um, But then he also then told those prisoners that he had let be guards like of the city hey if anybody tries to come into the gates kill them kill anybody who like comes here so i'm like he's covering all his bases where he's like okay here's what we're gonna do i'm gonna ask the queen to forgive me i'm gonna pretend like she's the queen by dressing her up like a queen and like putting her like in like the throne room or whatever but then also if any people try to come into this kingdom just murder them just murder them straight up he just wanted to make sure that you know He covered his butt. Yeah. A real stand-up guy. You can tell how repentant he is. So anyway, when these two boys, Tom and Hedgie, got to the city, of course the guards tried to fight them off. And of course Hedgie, much stronger than like everybody else, was able to like knock them all down like one by one. And it says if they weren't quite dead, Tom would take his little butcher knife and punch him with it. Which I'm like, yipes, Tom. Tom's like standing behind him. Like once the guys are on the ground, he's just like, ha, kill shot. Ha, ha, kill shot. Adorable. Good for you, Tom. So (laughs) Hedgie, you know, was just like, you know, leaving this like wake of disaster. It said more and more of the prisoners were coming and Hedgie was just like killing him, killing him, killing him. So (laughs) the bird was still like leading the way. So it was like basically like the bird was like, just ahead of them being like, oh, this way. And as they walked forward to stab, 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 like anybody who like got in front of them until finally they reached the front of the palace and the bird told Hedgie to enter. And immediately, oh my gosh, it's so annoying. This guy is such a, like a weenie. He, (laughs) so Hedgie like gets into the palace and that guard slash pretend king or whatever, immediately like dropped to his knees and was like, (gasps) to Hedgie was just like, you should just go ahead and kill me. Just kill me now. And Hedgie is like, what in the world? Like, why would I kill you? What are you talking about? And he just like immediately like blabbed to like Hedgie, like, you're the real prince. The queen is your mother. And... 
And yeah, like, this is your rightful place. And immediately, like, the queen who was sitting in the chair was like, how do we know this is my son? Like, you, you're you acting nuts. Like, you're acting full bonkers. Because, like, he, like, pulls her out of the the basement and it's just like, your son's coming to get you. And she's like, what? My son who's been missing slash dead for 16 years? Like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, no, I saw it in a dream. Yeah. And then he's like on the ground crying in front of some random guy who just walks in and is like, Oh, you're the prince. And she's like, Whoa, 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 hold up. What is happening? What is happening? Like, how do we even know this guy is my son and not just like, like a dude. What in the world? And Hedgie was like, Oh, well my name is Hedgie <laughs> because like, I was told that like my mother like left me like underneath like a hedge and that's where this like missionary found me and he found me with this General Motors medallion (laughs) 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 around my neck and he like you know he pulls out the GM medallion initialed medallion that he had like around his neck and when the mother slash queen saw it she just like fainted. Because of course. And then she regained consciousness and, you know, kissed her son and was like, I'm so happy. I can't believe you're alive. And it says the guard asked, is this really your son? And she, you know, confirmed that it was. And Hedgie then asked her, you know, about his father, like, who's my father? And the guard confessed to having like killed his father. And so Hedgie raised up his spear so that he could, you know, kill him like he killed his father. And then his mother was like, oh no, don't kill him. I've forgiven him, which I hate. I hate it. Not, I'm with you not there. that I'm like pro, you know, everybody stabbing each other in the throats or whatever. <laughs> but oh man, it's just so irritating that she's like, oh, no, it's fine. I forgave him for killing your dad and locking me in a basement for 16 years. I, I'm not over it. And it didn't even happen to me. It didn't really even happen to her. This isn't real. <laughs> this is the history of America. And you can still go to this spot in West Virginia today where this where this really and truly did happen. <laughs> but anyway, so... I'm I'm bugged by this. Anyway, the guard promised that if his life would be spared by Hedgie, then he would just take his family and leave. Which, what a turn of fortune for the woman who married this guy and thought, like, oh, yeah, he's the king of West Virginia. <laughs> and then, it, oh my gosh, and then it's yeah. like, oh, nope, psych, not true at all. So anyway... Hedgie began living with his mother and Tom. That's what it said. Hedgie began a new life with his mother and Tom, which again, I stan. So Hedgie's mother, it says, thought of getting new servants since a number of the old ones had been killed when Hedgie tried to enter the city. (laughs) (laughs) So for Hedgie, it was like really, really weird to suddenly be running a kingdom and be living inside of a house, let alone like a palace that had like guards and a table and food servant, like servants would bring food to him. And like, it was like really, really weird to him. It said that, you know, Tom had his own room at the palace, but he ate with them and was treated as if he were Hedgie's brother. I'm like, I'm just going to, you know, cross it out. Hedgie's lover. Cause that's what I want. So mother was happy. Hedgie was happy. It said, Hedgie was glad to have found her, but was sorry that he never got to see his father. However, they all lived happily together. And I want that story to end right there where it's just like Hedgie, his mom, and his gay lover, Tom. 
because that is the story that I want this to be. But it says, after a month or two, the people in the factory, they heard about Hedgie becoming the king and they were quite surprised because the factory was in West Virginia and at one time had belonged to King Jimothy. So (laughs) one day the queen and the two boys, Hedgie and Tom, they went to visit the factory and Hedgie introduced his mother to the people. And I thought that this, this one part of the story, just because of like how the story is was really interesting. It said everyone who had known Hedgie was glad to see him, but when the visitors left, no one could talk of anything but Tom's good luck. And I think that's really, really interesting because like in stories where, where people have unusual powers or strengths, like we don't see ourselves in that there, there's some like wish fulfillment in that because those people can do things like punching other people and defeating other people that, you know, you can't do. So there's Uh, some wish fulfillment there, but also you look for characters that are more like you unpowered people. And Tom was not special in any way besides just being like a good guy. Like he just, was a person who wanted to work hard, was working as hard as he could, but being made fun of because of like the size of him, the type of person that he was like, people were just like making fun of him being mean. And he was just like a guy who was like kind and gentle. And then, you know, did what had to be done. Wasn't afraid of working hard. Yeah. Anyway. So I thought that part was interesting. That it was like Tom's good luck. So A few years went by in this manner, with Hedgie being perfectly satisfied living in the palace with his mother and Tom. And he would, he and Tom would go out on their horses and ride around in the woods. And I loved it. But anyway, one day while they were out walking, they heard the little bird again. And the bird told Hedgie that he needed to get married, which I'm like, boo. I was already so happy with him being married to Tom in my mind. So anyway, the bird told Hedgie that, so he needed to get married, but before he could get married, he needed to find this magic rope and armor. So there were two brothers. One of them had armor, which whenever you wore it would make you invisible. And the other one had a rope that was like two feet long. And when you twisted it, it brought the possessor anything he desired, which it's like, it's kind of like a genie in a bottle type situation, but it's like a mm-hmm. rope where you like twist this rope and a, a dude pops up and is like, what do you want me to do for you? But yeah, not a genie, but kind of that concept. Yeah. Instead of a genie, a bottle of dope and a rope. <laughs> but Grant's wishes. <laughs> that was perfect. I love that. Um. So anyway. Hedgie asked the bird, oh, you know, where can I find these things? What what do I need to do? And so the bird was like, follow me and I'll show you where to go. And so Hedgie and Tom followed this bird out into the woods. And, you know, mother was, of course, afraid that he would never come back again. She was so happy to have had him the last like several years, because by this time, I think they're both like 20. Something like that. So anyway. And the mother was really distraught that he was leaving. And he was like, why are you so upset? And she's like, I'm just scared somebody's going to hurt you. And he was like, oh, mom, no, haven't I told you in the last like four years that I've been home? 
nobody can hurt me because of I, you know, bathed in the blood of this like dragon. So now I'm basically like indestructible. And he was like, go get a knife and try to stab me. And his mother was like, I'm not going to stab you. Which, yeah, that makes sense. Because, you know, if somebody's like, try to stab me, you can't. It's impossible. I'm indestructible. You're like, oh, no, they're having Killer. a psychotic break. <laughs> but I'm what I'm definitely not going to do is believe them and then stab them. So he stabbed himself. <laughs> Much, Much better. better. And so when she saw that he could like stab himself and not like be, be cut, she then she, you know, tried to do the parlor trick of stabbing her son and him not bleeding. And she was like, that's amazing. So then after that, she was like, OK, I'm I'm very happy now. Then like you're probably safe. I love that she didn't ask like, well, what about Tom? Is Tom going to be safe? Like, <laughs> So anyway, Hedgie and Tom. They left and the bird, you know, was like, hedgy, 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 follow me. And they went off into the woods and it said they were now in the deep woods where they found all kinds of animals, deer, mm. lions, tigers, bears. <laughs> oh, my wolves and many others. I'm like in West Virginia. Yeah, <laughs> you know. In the ununited kingdoms of West Virginia and Pennsylvania, there were all sorts of creatures. Yeah, lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Oh, my. So, it says, Tom was afraid of them all. (laughs) 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 Since most of them wanted uh, to eat them. So, but Hedgie, you know, he had spear in his hand and he killed any animal that came near him or Tom. Um, so because it says like in the story, he always was watching after Tom. I'm like, I love these two. They need to be together. So after a while, they heard the bird say, here is a rock that is three feet wide and five feet high. This is where you must enter. So anyway, they looked around and, um, you know, there were lots and lots of trees around. And then this little hole that was like, you know, surrounded by these like rocks. And mm. the bird told them like, one little man will come out. And when he does, you need to grab him and don't let him loose until he gives you his rope. So Hedgie and Tom heard this and they were both, you know, watching the hole really closely. But Tom was like really, really scared. And every time the wind blew, he would like look away. And suddenly there was like a noise, like a rabbit coming from the hole. And then a man only two feet tall came out of the ground. And in the story, this is the part of the story where uh, there's some real circus vibes. um, um, They'll say dwarf as if it is a um, like a mythical creature the way that you would use the word dwarf in like old English fairy tales of like dwarf as like a Mm -hmm. race of like, but a type of elves, brownies um, type situation. But then also in this story, they use the M slur for small people. Uh, Yeah. And for little people. And it's very unclear as to which it is because of the time period in which this story was like being told and like rewritten. It's, it's like, it's on that line between not being mythical race of like 
fae folk. And so there's that problematic element. And I say circus, not just because of like that element, but some of the animals that we were about to encounter. So, (laughs) so yeah. Um, Anyway, in my mind, I am going to stick with it being fey folk and magic because there's all these like magic elements. There's like no reason to disparage any like group of people except imaginary fey folk or not imaginary. Right. Please, please don't at me. Fey folk. <laughs> We're almost to midsummer. I can't afford to be taken by the fey. So anyway, <laughs> Hedgie tried to grab this dwarf, but he quickly ran back uh, into the hole and under that rock. And Hedgie tried to go in after him, but once Hedgie kind of like got into this like whole cave area, he couldn't see anything because everything was really, really dark. And the man had these like two other dwarf women with him. And those dwarf women told them that Hedgie was trying to take the rope from them. And Hedgie heard them say, don't worry, he can't get the rope. Our uncle has a big hammer and he'll smash and he'll smash Hedgie on the head, which I don't know how they learned Hedgie's name, but they did. And then the girls in the dark asked, it turns out that this guy was their father. He, they asked him, you know, oh, have you already tried to, you know, talk to uncle? And he was like, yes, I already, I used the magic rope. So Hedgie was like, okay, they have the magic rope. And I know that there's like a plan of attack that's about to happen. So, but what Hedgie wasn't anticipating was that the uncle was wearing the invisible armor. And so he couldn't see the guy. And so he got hit over the head with this hammer. But because it was Hedgie, who was really big and strong, it didn't kill him. He just kind of like knocked to the ground, but then he held really, really still. And uh, finally he heard, uh, you know, this voice saying, oh no, he's still alive. I can hear that he's still alive. And when this guy went to hit him again with the hammer, Hedgie swung around and hit him with the spear and killed him. So Hedgie really quickly took the armor off of this guy, put it on himself. And once he had the armor on, suddenly the room became light. He could see the room Mm. and he was still like he was invisible because of the armor. So meanwhile, Tom is on the outside of the hole listening and he can't, you know, hear like what's going on. But suddenly this lion leapt out of like a hiding spot at Tom and Tom didn't know what to do. So he quickly like ran to a tree and tried to climb up. And when the lion couldn't get to Tom, he went to one of their horses and he killed it and started to eat it. And the other horse like ran off like ran away so tom was just like up in this tree shaking and so scared because he's watching this lion just like rip apart his like horse and then this other lion came out and tom was really afraid because there wasn't another horse for them to eat because the other one had like run away and so Tom was just stuck up in this tree watching the lions like eating the horse and pacing under his tree trying to like figure out how to get him. So Tom just like started praying that like Hedgie would come back out and help him because he didn't know what else to do because he was like stuck up in this tree. So then out came an elephant. An elephant, you know, <laughs> like the ones that are found 
in the woods of the ununited states of West Virginia. And it started to like shake the tree by like scratching his back. So Tom's just on this tree being shaken by this like elephant. Um, and <laughs> he's just hoping not to get like knocked off of this tree down where there's still like two lions eating a uh, horse. So that those are the animals that I was like circus vibes. Uh, Cause it was like, why oh, are there lions yeah. and elephants like out in the middle of this? Um, so anyway, poor Tom, he's up there, but inside Hedgie is looking around, not being able to be seen. And he, you know, sees the two small, like dwarf women. And um, it said they were just sitting and embroidering, which I'm like, there's all this chaos going on. They're like sitting with their embroidery, just like, oh yeah, what can you do? Uncle just got stabbed. <laughs> and then the guy disappeared. Anyway, they might've been in like, I don't know, a different room or something. Cause they were saying like, oh, Hedgie's probably dead by now. We can probably, I don't hear any noise. So he's probably dead. Um, So Hedgie like reached out and grabbed the man by his head so he couldn't run away and when he he started like yelling like let me loose let me loose and Hedgie was like I won't let you loose until you give me the rope and so the man was like oh if you let go of me I'll give you the rope and uh Hedgie was like no I think I want to have the rope first <laughs> before I let you go and so he started to like squeeze the guy's head which I'm like that's terrifying so the dwarf like pointed over to where the rope was like hung up uh, or where the rope was. And it was in this little trunk, like a little chest. I say trunk, but we there was just an elephant walking around. So we need to be more specific. Um, so he opened up this trunk <laughs> and he found the rope inside. And when he like grabbed the rope and he kind of like twisted it and this like man suddenly appeared and was like, what do you need? And Hedgie was like, oh, um, do you know of a way to get out of here? And the guy was like, oh, yeah, I definitely do. Let's go. And Hedgie, for some unknown reason, decided that he was going to take the two dwarf women with him. So he, like, had killed their uncle, stolen his armor. He had, like, taken their father and ended up, like, hanging him on, like, a hook in the, on a wall, like, hanging his shirt up, you know, like, so he was stuck on a hook on the wall. And then took his magic rope and his two daughters. I do not know why. So he like went out with the magic rope uh, with the help of like the magician guy, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, he looked around and he did not see Tom or the horses. He just saw the bones of a horse that had been killed. And he called for Tom, but he didn't hear any answer. Because of course, Tom, he was still wearing the armor, so Tom couldn't see him. And so Tom is like up, up in this tree. He's been terrorized by lions, terrorized by like an elephant. And suddenly he's hearing this like disembodied voice calling his name. So Tom is very, very spooked. He is terrified, not having a good time at all. Mm. So there's like a little back and forth where, you know, Tom is like, where Hedgie, you know, takes off the helmet and is like, Tom, where are you? And then Tom's like, oh, thank goodness it's you and starts climbing down the tree. And Hedgie puts his hat back on and then he's disappeared. And Tom's like, oh, no, he's gone and climbs back up the tree. It's I'm like I, this unnecessary back and forth for a while. Poor Tom. Anyway, so now <laughs> they make their way back home. And 
as they're making their way back home, it basically is like the story is just showing these like different moments of, you know, Hedgy twisting the rope and being like, oh, can we have good, strong horses with saddles? And then, you know, horses appear and they get on the backs of them and keep riding and they're following like the little bird that's singing and, you know, just kind of going along on this journey. And, you know, at night, their twist the rope is like, oh, we want a place to sleep. And then, you know, lodgings suddenly appear, food magically like come. So there's just a lot of this like on the way back, which I am like, why couldn't they have like twisted the rope and been like, can we be magicked back to our kingdom? I feel like, yeah, I was like, I feel like that would move the story along like in a quicker way, but no. So, and like the whole time there's this like weird thing where they're just like, oh, like the, the girls were so fun for Tom to like play with them and take care of them as if they were his children, which I'm like, that's weird. That's weird, Tom. Why are you doing that? But anyway, so finally they reach a city. It's late at night and they're at a city and this is like day three of like them traveling. But, you know, they don't have to wish for lodgings because they're at like a city. So they get to the city and there is a hotel, which again, it's like I'm reminded that like this is happening in West Virginia. And so they reach like a city with a big sign on the outside that says hotel. And I guess right across from the hotel it ends up, there's a palace, which I don't understand how this city is laid out, but they're in this like hotel and they sleep there for the night. And in the morning, the bird tells Hedgie like, oh, dress, dress in your finest clothes, dress like a king, you know, ring the rope, ask for like these like kingly clothes, and then just sit in this window. And if anybody talks to you, answer them back and be polite. And then the bird flies away and he's like, okay. So Hedgie dresses in King's clothes and he goes and he stands near the window that the bird told him to. And in the morning, this woman appears in the building that's across the street, which ends up being like a palace. So she sees Hedgie dressed like a king out of her window, look at the window in the hotel. And she was like, good morning. And he's like, good morning. And then she just disappears. So Hedgie was like, well, that was the, what the bird told me to do. I did the thing. So the woman was actually a princess and the sister of the king of that state because they did not know that they had entered into the state of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Oh, my goodness. I'm like, Pennsylvania? I thought that if you crossed into there without talking to like a guard, you know, without permission, you'd get you know, killed, but I guess not. Yeah. Anyway, so the princess of, you know, Pennsylvania, she, much like the French, fresh prince of Bel-Air, <laughs> this is the story all about hell. <laughs> no. So the princess of Pennsylvania, she goes to the king and she says, uh, she tells her brother, the king, there is a, another king that is staying in the hotel across from here. And he was like, how would you know that? And she's like, I saw him with my own eyes. And he was like, uh, no, because if there was another king staying in my city, he would have asked to come stay at the palace. Why would he be staying at like some janky hotel across the street? 
And she was like, no, you should ask a messenger to go. So they sent like a messenger to knock on the door and Hedgie was still, you know, dressed as like a king. And so the messengers were like, oh, the king in the palace across the street wants to see you and hang out with you. And so Hedgie handed the magic rope and the armor to Tom and went with the messengers to the king. And, uh, you know, they were like, oh, why weren't you staying at our palace? We didn't even know you were in town. And he was like, oh, yeah, we got in kind of late at night. You know, we're on this like journey and stuff. And so, yeah, we didn't even think to, you know, of course, I was going to call on you, you know, this morning. But you guys sent me word and message, you know, before I, you know, got around to it. So I'm so happy to be here and to meet you. So uh, Tom and their whole entourage, like of people after Hedgie had been in this palace for a while, like they all came over and they brought Hedgie his like spear, which took like two people to like carry Hedgie's spear. So they handed it to Hedgie and the princess was like, oh my gosh, how can you carry such a big spear? And he's like, if you think this spear is big, you should see my no. So <laughs> I'm so sad you didn't laugh at my joke. It's okay. I thought it was funny, but it's okay if you don't. <laughs> I laughed. I chortled softly. <laughs> and it was like, um, Hedgie like told the princess, oh, it's actually like not that heavy, like to me, it doesn't feel that heavy. Like it's totally fine carrying this around. And the princess being so rude was like, oh, my, maybe my brother can hold what is sister to be like, <laughs> like, oh, do you know be funny is watching my brother try to hold that. So he like hands it to the king, but he like, it said he took it by the handle, but could not move it because of its weight. <laughs> like, it's like Mjolnir, like only the worthy. Anyway, I'm like, this is like such a weird conversation because the princess was like, like, if you fought with that guy, like, what would you even do? And her brother, the king of Pennsylvania, was like, there wouldn't be a fight. He would just get what he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and then Hedgie says, I'm not so mean, which I'm like, yeah, it's a, like a good exchange of like him being like, I wouldn't do that, though. Um, so anyway, they had a beautiful dinner, beautiful stay. It was wonderful. And the princess liked Hedgie a lot and wanted to marry him. So the next day they were talking, she asked him if he had a wife. And he was like, no, I've never been married because I just have Tom. Um, he didn't say that, but he should have. <laughs> and she, I love this because like he told her that he had never been married and she asked if he liked her. And it was kind of understood that they both really liked each other, thought, you know, the other one was like hot or whatever. So her brother, the king of Pennsylvania, told her that he thought Hedgie was a really good man and that if she wanted to marry him, it would be totally all right by him. That she probably couldn't do any better than Hedgie. So the two were married. And after the wedding, Tom and Hedgie went for a walk together. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Tom and Hedgie after the wedding went for a walk together. And they heard the little bird and they looked up in the sky and they saw the bird that had led them on their journey turn to smoke. And they stood watching it as part of the smoke went to the left and part to the right. And Tom was afraid, but Hedgie wasn't. As he saw the smoke turn into a statue that was like floating in the air. And it was a statue of the missionary that had like raised him, like the holy hermit. Uh -huh. And they were like, in this story, they were like, if you had not guessed it, the bird was the missionary the whole time. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, no, we. We got it. We understood. 
But the voice was basically like, now that the statue, the voice coming from the statue, bird turned statue, was like, like, I'm sorry, now that you're married, I can't care for you anymore, but you know, you should have a wonderful life and be able to take care of yourself now. You don't need me anymore. And then like, goodbye, goodbye, you know, fades into the... <laughs> so anyway, you would think that the story would be over by now. Oh no, Jeff, I ruined everything. Oh no. He wasn't the king of Pennsylvania. He was the king of Massachusetts. <sighs> Which... Makes sense that you'd be confused because uh, Massachusetts is nowhere near West Virginia. Yeah. What, what was he doing all the way up there? It's Yeah. Okay. So it says, when Hedgie married the princess, his brother-in-law wanted to make him king of his own state, Massachusetts. But So like a, a, a third state. He wants him to be a king of a state, but not West Virginia, not Pennsylvania, another well, state. But then it's... But why would why would he be, have the authority to make him the king of yeah, another okay, state that's not his? This is kingdom. why I'm confused because then later it says after like two years the king King Henry of Massachusetts came to visit his sister the princess and so did the king want to make Hedgie the new king and he would step down as king of Massachusetts? That seems weird. Why would he be like, oh, now that you're married to my sister, you should be the king of Massachusetts. Right. Well, or maybe thinking... he decided, like, maybe he was like, oh, now that you're married to my sister, do you want to be the king of Massachusetts? Because I've got this extra land that's, like, I'm yeah. not using, that's north. That, you should, yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Anyway. He wanted some, somebody was supposed to be the king of Massachusetts. But Hedgie didn't want to be the king of Massachusetts because he loved West Virginia. Mountain Mama, Darn right. take me home. Country roads. To the place he belongs. West Virginia. Blue Ridge Mountain, Shenandoah River. Great song. Anyway, so, Hedgie took his new wife back to Massachusetts. His mother met his wife. She was really happy. Two years later, King Henry of Massachusetts came to visit his sister. And this upsets me because it says he became acquainted with Hedgie's mother during his stay of about a week. I thought that was leading them to be like, oh, so Hedgie's mom's a cougar and is going to hook up with King Henry of Massachusetts. But no, it was worthless. That's not what was happening at all. Yeah, you've got some, some pretty strong expectations for this I story do. that continue to be like Yeah, because that. like, I don't know, there's some like story math that just doesn't math where they're like, they include a sentence about something, but then they're like that sentence. We're not taking it anywhere. It's not going anywhere because they're like, Oh, after two years, like King Henry, Massachusetts came to visit. He stayed for about a week. Then three years later, the princess who is now queen Mary, she went to visit King Henry of Massachusetts and he was happy to see them, but he still wasn't married. And I'm like, okay, is he going to marry Hedgie's mom? But no, that was a throwaway line. Because he was like, yeah, the reason I'm single is because I've never met a girl that, like, I fell in love with. I once knew a princess of the beautiful state of Ohio. <laughs> um, but she had been changed into a marble statue by a witch that cursed her. 
And I'm like, if you're in Ohio right now, did you even know that the princess of Ohio has been turned into a marble statue by a witch? Anyway, so he was like, I don't want to marry anybody except this woman, but I can't marry her until she's set free from her marble encasement curse. So I don't know what to do because her palace is on the top of a mountain, you know, the famous mountains of Ohio. And (laughs) at the top of this mountain where the princess lives, anybody who tries to climb up the mountain gets struck by lightning and is immediately killed. And so Hedgie heard this and he was like, you know what? I might be able to help my brother-in-law with this problem. Like it's not totally impossible because he's got some magic items, right? He's been like collecting stuff this entire story. He's been like collecting stuff because he's got armor of invisibility. He's got that magic rope that he can twist. And he's also got that like impenetrable skin business, which hasn't reached its full story math conclusion yet either. So he's like, I'm probably able to climb up this thing and not get hit by lightning or like whatever. Let's do it. Let's go on this quest. And, you know, King Henry of Massachusetts was like, you'll do this for me. You'll help me free the princess of Ohio. I like giving these people their full titles because it sounds so ridiculous to me. Oh, um, yeah. So anyway, Hedgie was like, Le- Hedgie, King of West Virginia, was like, Let's go. Let's free the princess of Ohio. Of Ohio. <laughs> I'm invested now. So he, Hedgie, King Hedgie, pulls out his magic rope, twists it. The guy who lives in the rope or whatever that's shenanigan, the dope in the rope appears. And, <laughs> um, you know, asks Hedgie what he wants. And Hedgie is like, I need to get to the top of the mountain into this, like, the, the palace of Ohio where the lightning won't strike me. And no sooner had he wished this than he appeared inside the king's house. So already he is inside of the house at the top of the mountain, not struck by lightning. I don't know why he couldn't have given King Henry of Massachusetts the rope to twist and then been up there. It's fine. It's not fine. So he looks around and there's a bunch of statues. Like everybody is made of statues in of like marble statues inside of like this palace. It's this is a whole sleeping beauty situation that we've we've we missed that story. We're coming in the middle of that story. <laughs> and because it's like some of the people were in the middle of like scrubbing, some people in the middle of like cooking, all of them were frozen in statue, not moving, you know, cursed. So, meanwhile, Tom and the King Henry of Massachusetts are still at the bottom of the hill, just, like, unable to climb up because they're just watching lightning, like, shoot all over this mountain. So, Hedgie's going from, like, room to room, looking around, everything marble. Finally, he goes into a room that looks like a bedroom because there's a bed, chair, mirrors that have turned to marble, and in the bed lay a marble princess. So he twisted the rope again and the man like pops up and he's like, okay, so I want to request that the princess come back to life. And the man was like, okay, that's not how that works. Like I can't magic that back. That's a curse. So like you have to break the curse. And Hedgie is like, okay, how do I break the curse? And he's like, okay, I think we all know in this story of Sleeping Beauty when you like come upon a, you know. A woman who's been cursed uh, into an everlasting sleep or whatever. She's always got to plant one yeah, right bro, on the lips. Yeah, bro, you got to kiss her. Like, you got to kiss her right on the lips. 
And it said, but he must not miss her lips because it would cost him his life. He would turn into marble. I'm like, where else would he have kissed her? Hmm? <laughs> well, I guess maybe if he wanted to be like, oh, I'll just give her a little peck on the cheek because like, I'm a married man. I can't yeah. be smooching marble. I'm a married man. I don't know. I don't know his business. I don't know where he was thinking about kissing her. So he was like, um, hmm, can you help me? figure out which part of her mouth are like the lips that I need to kiss, which again, I think is so weird. Cause I'm like, can't, can't he see her? Don't know like, what lips yeah. Are? Like don't, yeah. unless she just is a marble blob. Yeah. Like a, a formless <laughs> pillar of marble. She's been turned. It, it said she was turned into a marble statue. It never said she was turned into a marble statue that looked like herself. <laughs> She's like a marble statue gargoyle. It's like a Picasso, but in marble. And so it's like, what part of her is lips? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was a gargoyle. That's nice. Gargoyles, they have lips. I mean, no, they don't. They yeah, have beaks. Be Quick, somebody tell us, uh, do gargoyles have lips? So you could <laughs> probably tell a gargoyle's lips. But... Everybody message me pictures of gargoyle lips. I think he's just like stalling for time because he doesn't want to do it. He's like embarrassed. Yeah, he's like, oh, please. He's like, oh, somebody point out the lips to me. He can't, He's he might be like excited to do it, but he can't (laughs) act too excited. So he's like, I can't do, you guys show me the lips because I haven't been staring at them like nonstop (laughs) wanting to just smooch them since I walked into the Yeah, I'm definitely going to need your help. Uh, I'm just, I'm a modest man. I grew up in in the woods. I I don't know where, where lips are on beautiful women. Yeah, right. Anyway, it says, right there, the man pointed with his finger. (laughs) So anyway, Hedgy, a married man, bent over and kissed her and broke the spell. And the household was back to normal. All the lightning stopped. And, you know, when King Henry of Massachusetts and Tom saw that, you know, the lightning had stopped or whatever, they quickly climbed the mountain. And when they got to the top, The princess was like, oh, Hedgie, you did it. You saved me. Now we must wed. And he was like, oh, no, um, no, uh, I'm married. That's, um, I'm so sorry. No, I'm not going to marry you. Uh, But I do have a king for you to marry. Here is my friend, King Henry of Massachusetts, the beautiful kingdom of Massachusetts, Ohio and Massachusetts, shall be united uh, through this union of love. And that's why they still are today. No. <laughs> so, so Hedgie introduced uh, King Henry of Massachusetts to the princess. And immediately she was like, I don't like him. And I don't want to marry him. I don't like this guy. He's not good. And they were all kind of like, oh, no, maybe if you get to know each other a little better, you'll like each other. So Hedgie and Tom went to their room, which okay. Um, I'm I'm on to you guys, and it's fine. I'm cool with it. So Hedgie and Tom went to their room, and they left King Henry with the princess, who immediately, when she was left alone with King Henry, started to whip him and left him black and blue. And then she went to sleep, and he what? sat on a chair and cried. So. <laughs> Happy ending for everybody. No. So the next day, like everyone woke up and Hedgie looked at his brother-in-law and was like, bro, are you okay? And King Henry was like, I'm not okay. She was trying to kill me. She was whipping me. (laughs) He said she was stronger than he was and there was nothing he could do about it. So the next day, Hedgie told his brother-in-law to try to like sleep with her again. But King Henry was like, no, I'm really scared. 
And then Henji told him that he would he would help if she started to whip him again. So Henji put on his like invisibility armor and like hid in the room. <laughs> so that when the princess started to like whip King Henry again, like Henji went up behind her and like slapped her really hard and knocked her to the floor. Which again, I'm oh, listen, geez. I'm not condoning violence, but like this is this story has taken such a wild turn. I cannot believe where we've gone with this story. <laughs> no, I know. It is it's <laughs> it's a wild ride. At, there are so many points where I'm like, is this story over? And it's like, no, it's not. Like, there's more like to be had, more crazy anyway. So it said that you know <laughs> the princess of Ohio didn't know what had hit her, which like literally though. <laughs> <laughs> And so she just went to bed and like didn't move and King Henry didn't know what to do. And it, it was just awkward. And then Hedgy like went to go to bed. And so the King had another night that was like awful. And it's like, it wasn't long before King Henry and the princess were married, which I'm like, yipes. And yeah, it was like the new wife. She, the princess of Ohio did not like her husband and she made it known. She was like constantly quarreling and he was like i will do anything to make peace with you like to have you love me to do whatever and she was like then you need to kill your brother-in-law hedgy once he's dead then i can love you but like while hedgy's alive which i don't know whether it's because like he was the one that kissed her and broke the spell and so she's got some like weird curse hang-ups or something like about it where she's like oh no i'm somehow like attached to this man or something, or whether she was like, I know I didn't see him hit me, but I know that that man hit me and now I hate him. And so like, <laughs> or like he didn't want to marry me because he was an already married man. So I want this man dead. I don't know what her thing was, but she was like, kill your brother-in-law Hedgy. And of course he didn't want to do it because it's like, that's my brother-in-law. But you know, he thought about it and he was like, you know, I probably, yeah, I could kill Hedgy. I should probably just do it. Oh my gosh. But so King Henry of Massachusetts decided that he would find somebody who he could give hit money to, to like <laughs> kill Hedgy. And he was like, there's only one way to kill him. You have to kill him like one, like with one stroke, one time in his side on this like white mark that's on his skin. And the guy who he was hiring to do the hit was like, how am I supposed to know where that one spot is on him? And King Henry was like, okay, one second, let me like, I'll figure it out. So he went to his sister, so Hedgie's wife, and was like, hey, do you know what I think would be really, really cool? Is you should make your husband like a brand new suit. And like as a gift, what it would be really cool if you embroidered a blackberry leaf onto his like suit where that white spot on his skin is just as like kind of a little like, oh, this is where the blackberry leaf like mark is on his like body, which I'm like, how did he sell that to his sister? Like is like, this makes sense. Wouldn't it be Jeff? Don't you think it'd be weird if like I asked your wife to like embroider a shirt that had like all your moles on it? Mm-hmm. That would be very <laughs> There's like not even a way to like have that like make sense where it's like, oh, Clarice, do you know it'd be really, really funny if like you made Jeff a shirt, but then every place where he has like a mole or a distinguishing feature on his nude naked body, 
Um, you should put a matching mark on his shirt. And and what? And we'll play connect the dots. Like, what's the game? I'm making it. I'm making good, it sound like it you have is. like a really like mole covered body. But in your in my mind right now, I can't even remember a picture what your body looks like. Good. <laughs> I mean, I've got a few moles. I don't have that many. Yeah, moles, like you. Do, I'm sure you weird. don't have like a freakish amount. Like it's not like I look at you. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I th- it'd be impossible to make a shirt for my husband that was like every freckle. That he, it would just be a brown shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Freckles as far as the eye can see. Anyway, so the queen was like, oh, yeah, that sounds like a, a cute idea for a suit. And so, you know, she designed it with a little blackberry leaf right where that mark was. And so Hedgie put it on and, you know, was like, oh, this looks like wonderful. And so King Henry went to the hitman and was like, okay, he, when he's wearing this shirt to stab him, go up next to him and just stab him where the blackberry leaf is on like his shirt. And so Hedgie and Tom were out one day at, on their horses as they do. And they both saw this guy coming over, but they didn't, you know, pay any attention to him. Cause it was just, you know, like a guy on like a Tuesday as they're all out in the woods, like getting some water for their horses and stuff. They're like, I don't know who this guy is. And he just comes up right next to Hedgie and just bam, right in the side, stabs him. And immediately Hedgie falls over and dies. So Tom is standing there and uh, it says Tom ran with his horses to tell Hedgie's wife what had happened. And there was much sorrow in the home. Tom felt as if he had lost the whole world. What's funny is they don't say anything about how the the queen felt about her husband dying or anybody else. They only say how Tom felt about Hedgie right. dying and he felt as if he had lost the whole world. And so, yeah, no, listen, I love these two. I wanted a happier ending for the both of them. Anyway, so... The princess of Ohio was happy when she heard about Hedgie's death. So I guess we do hear about how she, you know, felt. But Tom was like, I will have revenge. Like, I will find out what happened. Like, who did this? So he took the rope Mm. and he twisted it. And, you know, the dope and a rope showed up. And, you know, Tom was like, I need to find out who killed Hedgie. And the guy was like, Pete Johnson. No, Pete Davidson. And so the guy replied, it was Pete Jordan who killed him. And Tom was like, what? Who is that? Who's that guy? I've, this is the first time I'm hearing about Pete Jordan. It was like, yeah, because he was just some guy that was hired to like do a hit. So Tom hunted this guy down and was like, why did you kill Hedgie? Like, why would you do this? And the guy was like, I am so sorry. Like King Henry of Massachusetts asked me to do it and he was going to pay me a ridiculous sum of money. My wife is sick. My children are sick and I have so many kids I'm trying to take care of. And I was just in a bad way, man. I knew it was a wrong thing to do, but he paid me to kill Hedgie and I was desperate. So Tom, you know, went to King Hedgie's wife and told her like your brother hired a hitman to like kill your husband And so they got Pete Jordan to come back 
and, uh, you know, tell the whole story, tell it to everybody. And said Tom wanted to kill King Henry, but felt that Hedgie's sons should do it. And so I'm like, and this is pretty dark because he is like, he twists the rope and then requests that the, the sons be given the courage to do the deed to like kill this king. Mm. And so then he gave one of them the armor and the other one, the rope and the two boys set out and killed the King of Massachusetts and the princess of Ohio. And then they returned to the palace and they told their mother what they had done. And while she was sorry that her own brother had been killed by her sons, she was happy because he had taken what she loved more than anything else in the world. And she told Tom to take the place of King Henry in the state of Massachusetts. And then she gave the rope and the armor to her sons so that they could rule the rest of their lives over West Virginia. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, it's wild to know, like that's all based on a true story. (laughs) That's that's American history. Yeah, John Denver wrote a song about mm-hmm. it. It's two and a half hours long. That song. <laughs> oh man, that that takes so many crazy twists and turns. Oh, yeah. I don't think anyone could see where that was coming. Like, there's there's no way anyone in their right mind could predict where the story was going at any point. No, the story it was. Like, it was so absolutely wild. And it was exactly what I needed um, to to give me strength. Because, like, seriously, I'm like, I was, like, so, so frazzled and exhausted and tired. And sometimes I think we all get to, like, a point in, like, any project or anything that we're doing where we're kind of like, what am I doing? Am I finding joy in this anymore? Like, is this... Is this fun for me? Am I like, or am I just trying to like, just get through it? Like trying to like meet the next deadline. And unfortunately like that after like this, like last semester and everything that's kind of like gone on health wise, like deaths in the family wise, like everything, you know, just doing schoolwork, everything. It was just like so much stuff. And when I was like, okay, one thing I haven't done yet is like read the stories for this like winter divinations thing. And I was like, let me just like look through those stories and see like what there is. (laughs) And then I found this absolutely bonkers like story. And I'm like, you know what? Thank you. Thank you, past Katrina, for doing Winter Divinations. Thank you, Jeffrey, for suggesting thank hate you to, to our you, spirit guides. Yeah. And who, thank you to who the fate. made this yeah. happen for us and our podcast. Yeah. Because it seriously is like no possible way did I anticipate like that story being one. I mean, there are other mm-hmm. versions of it, like uh, Strong John, that are shorter that have like less twists and turns, but like the fact that this was like, you know, West Virginia, we don't tell a whole lot of stories, uh, yeah, you know, in, in the United States fairy tale wise. And so when it was like, Oh, there's this one that's both the, the 650 a yeah. and 650 C there's not a fifth. There's not a 650, um, which is confusing B. Yeah. Or at least 
There's not one that is like on my, because the reference guides for them, it's like, I think like $3,000 for the full reference guides. And so what I'm looking at is like, what is available on like the University of Missouri website. And so, but I was like, okay, so 650A, 650C, what's the one in the middle? The story of Hedgie. Let's do this one as I'm reading it, just being like, the fact that this story is supposed to be taking place in the United States, but we've got kings and princesses fighting over lands. We've got dragons. We've got elephants. And lions. Oh my. And dwarves. It was like, okay, this story is all over the place. And of course, you know, a little bit of like a Christian element. A it's child like, that had a, a wild dear blend. foster mother, a monk foster father who turned into a bird that ended up guiding him throughout his life. Like, yeah, not to mention Tom. Shout out to Tom. Hedgie and Tom, I want them together. I want them together for forever. True love. Yeah, that was really interesting how it's like, oh, like he met this best friend named Tom. And then, like, after they got married, like, they still, well, it wasn't after they got married that they still had a room together. Or did they still have a room together after they got married? It's like they, like, move, they they go somewhere else. And then it's like they just have a room together. And like they, he he gets married to his wife and him and Tom go yeah. on a long walk after the wedding, like that this guy got married to his wife. Like, why was he not like hanging out with his yeah. wife? Just like. Yeah. Where it was like, no, like Hedgie had to marry, had to marry the princess of Massachusetts somewhere. or some of Pennsylvania. Hard to tell. The princess of somewhere just out of duty, out of responsibility. And you know what? Maybe they're a thruple, and that's fine, too. But, yeah, no, it was just, like, every single time, you know, the queen is left at home, but he and Tom just continue their adventures together. They continue hunting together, going out in the woods together. I'm just like, I just want them want them to be together forever. So, yeah, wild story. Hopefully, you know, I'm going to try to, you know, catch a second wind for the next half of this year because we do have a lot of great stuff that is planned And I'm sure, fingers crossed, knock on wood, the rest of the year is going to be great. (laughs) Here's hope. Thank you for listening to The Fairy Tellers. If you enjoy what we're doing, please leave us a review or share us with your friends. Also consider supporting us on Patreon for access to exclusive bonus content, including outtakes and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash thefairytellers. Special thanks to Andrew Foray for our music and to Clarice Inch for our artwork. And of course, a big thank you to all our patrons. Without all of you, this show wouldn't be possible. Fairy tales are always more interesting when something is added to them. Each new telling recharges the narrative, making it crackle and hiss with cultural energy. Maria Tatar You can determine how much of my weird stuff you're going to cut from this episode. It's going to be a short episode, let's just say that.